Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go with the Friday edition of Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton and Withrow here. We've got Bubba Watson, two-time Masters champion. He joins us in about 45 minutes. Live Tour, that's where he resides now. And we'll compare PGA and Live. That's coming up in 45 with the Masters champ, Bubba Watson. Plus, C.J. Watson, also on the show today, former Chicago Bull, VFL, and more. Chad, looking forward to it. Trey Wallace will also be checking in from the SEC tournament, which is ongoing currently. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Alabama destroying Mississippi State. No huge surprise, but they are handling business in that one. And Hutton, we vouch to handle business today on this show. No doubt. And uh, speaking of hoops, the best rivalry right now in the NBA comes down to Draymond Green and Dylan Brooks. And Chad, you have a clear winner in this between the two in the War of Words. So, uh, well, I don't know that there is... um, There's not a full-time winner yet, okay? I'm not ready to call the fight and say that one has won over the other. But I am ready to say that what Draymond Green said after their latest dust-up, he wins in this one. And what Draymond Green said was that, look, it's we've won four titles. You've won none. This isn't a rivalry. Dylan Brooks came out and said, you know, this is the best rivalry in, in basketball right now, and that's what people are calling it. And Draymond Green's right. The Memphis Grizzlies haven't really won anything. I like the spirit. I like the fight. You want to go after the champ? You want to go after a team that's won a bunch of titles? Good for them. They beat them at home last night easily in a game where they didn't have John Morant, their best player. The Warriors have lost 26 road games this year also, which is crazy. They've been terrible on the road. But what Draymond Green is saying, and I don't always agree with Draymond Green, but he is correct. There's no rivalry. I mean, the Grizzlies have yet to win their first title. The Warriors have won four of them. So I understand what he's saying. Now, what Dylan Brooks did last night was expert trash talk. He scored one basket, and he just lingered in Draymond's face and started doing like a podcast motion to him. Like, go talk about this on your podcast after he scored on him at one point. I love that Dylan Brooks took exception to the fact Draymond Green said not even his own teammates like the guy said that he's trying to pit him against his teammates. Dylan Brooks' response was great in the moment. He said, I'm, the, I'm not the one having physical altercations with my teammates, <laughs> so he might want to check himself. And he said, let's see what happens after the season, what the Warriors do to him after he attacked Jordan Poole in a practice. So I like this ongoing battle. But in the post-game response, score one for Draymond Green. It is not a rivalry until the Grizzlies actually win something of note. It's not a rivalry between the two franchises. It is between these two individuals, though. And this is what we need more of in sports, quite frankly, Chad. We, we need more individual, I won't go as far to say hatred, yeah. but a dislike for the opponent. 
instead of, hey, let's swap jerseys at the end of a game and you write a nice note on the back of mine, I'll do the same for you, and if you want to, you can frame it in your man cave. No. I, I like this. I'm, I'm following this because Brooks is playing into the Draymond podcast, you know, and, and that's all following up on, okay, the Grizzlies are good except for this guy. It's making him look bad in the locker room. He's firing back at Draymond, and now we have the scuffle that uh, between the two. I, I love it. I, I, I love it, too. I, 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 love, again, the, the I love the hatred of it. Yes, I, I love the rivalry aspect, the hatred of it. Draymond was asked, you know, what do you think about the rivalry between these two teams? Right. So he responded that way, that they you guys clearly don't like each other based off last year's playoff series and now going into this year. And he wasn't really talking about him versus Dylan. But I agree. The Brooks versus Draymond Green rivalry is great. Draymond Green is also hated by most everyone in the league. So I feel like everyone could claim rivalry with Draymond Green, but Dylan Brooks is taking it to the next level. I, I respect I, it. Dylan Brooks, I respect Brooks for it, for going after him. Yeah. But... I will say point Draymond Green for saying what is fact. It's not a rivalry between the franchises or the teams. We won four titles. We won four rings. They haven't won anything. They haven't been to an NBA Finals yet. So the situation started on Wednesday when Green said on his podcast that the Grizzlies aren't a true championship contender yet because of this idiot right here in reference to Dylan Brooks. And then Brooks told reporters he took exception to it because, number one, he knows he's better than Draymond. And then he goes on to say, just the fact he was trying to pin my teammates against me, that was a low blow. He said some other things too. Uh, but then he added in on ESPN the, the quote, Draymond talks a lot, gets away with a lot too. His game is cool with Golden State, but if you put him anywhere else, you're not going to know who Draymond is. That from Dylan Brooks. Again, like, I like the banter. I'm interested in that. that, that there's a reason why you have three different face-offs during the week for a UFC pay-per-view, right? You're building up that up, including for, for the, the presser that happens four days prior to the guys making the walk to the cage. In this case, I can't wait for the next one-on-one matchup. I wish we got more of that. Yeah, no, I, I want more of this in sport in general, especially team sports where teams legitimately are out to get each other so which, and don't like each other, and it's, and it's spicy when they play each other. We, do, we need more of this. Which sport do you think needs it the most? Because I think all do. Hockey, I think, can still have this version on a more regular basis. But I think with the super teams in the NBA, the NBA has to be, if not first, they're second. And Major League Baseball, for me, is where the other one is. I think in order, it would be NBA... I put NFL high on the list, but the NFL doesn't really need much right now, so it's tough for me to say right. they need it. I want it more in the NFL. I want more Cincinnati-Pittsburgh in the heat of their rivalry yep. where you knew fisticuffs could fly every time they played each other. I want more divisional, just bloodbath-type games in the NFL. So I think it could use a little bit more of that. That's my personal preference. I'd like more hatred in sports in general between teams. The NBA definitely would be number one. I'd probably put baseball, football tied for second on the list of team sports that could use a little more of it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Chad, Colin Kaepernick is, well, he's at it again. He's in the headlines. Uh, this time to promote his new graphic novel, Change the Game. He says his adoptive parents perpetuated racism by not agreeing with his hairstyle 
and his mom not knowing what corn rolls were. Um, says his up, upbringing was very problematic. What I look into this and say and think is what was problematic was his biological father who left with a 19-year-old mother who put him up for adoption, and thankfully so, for his parents to adopt him, Rick and Teresa Kaepernick, and set him up for success, took him to practices, made sure he had a, a roof over his head. And we were, uh, Kaepernick was adopted around five weeks old. So was I. We were roughly the same age when I was adopted. And I don't know the details of my birth parents. I don't care to. But what I do know is I was the brown-haired, brown-eyed kid who had a brother and sister who were blonde hair and, and blue-eyed. And my parents loved me. And I can point to instances that show that Kaepernick's adopted parents do the same. Um, they adopted him after losing two other sons due to heart conditions and brought him into their home and raised and supported him. And it's in the headlines that it was they were perpetuating racism based on the corn rolls and not allowing him to have a hairstyle that he wanted. I think every kid can relate, every guy can relate to having an argument with their parents over something they wanted that the parents didn't want, right? In this case, it's the hairstyle. Um, but the support has always been there. Case in point is in 2017, whenever Kaepernick was kneeling and uh, making a public statement about protests against police and uh, brutality against African-Americans. And the quote from his family that they released shows you where they sighed. Colin is carrying a heavy load following a difficult path that he truly believes in. He's putting his entire future and possibly his life on the line for those beliefs. As his parents, it pains us to read articles and tweets saying that his family does not support him. This could not be further from the truth. We want people to know that we are very proud of our son, admire his strength and courage, and kneeling for the rights of others. But here is poor Colin Kaepernick at it again where he's back in the headlines, uh, a kid whose parents didn't want corn rolls or maybe didn't know what they were. And he's pointed it out as the problematic issue, all in the name of selling this book. Perpetual racism? I would say, look in the mirror, dude. And you will see in your reflection, both black and white, which were his birth parents in this. Problematic, I don't see from this angle of his adopted parents. What I do see as problematic is Colin Kaepernick, who comes across as weak in his attempt to publicize this book, pathetic and ungrateful when it comes to his adopted parents, at least in the publicity of this book. And, I mean... If it's problematic on the adopted end, from the birth parents' end, especially his father, I guess that's in book number two that's going to be released at a time of Kaepernick's choosing based on when he wants to be back in the headlines. Very good perspective from you, Hunter. You mentioned your, your experience at being adopted by your parents, so I think that's important perspective here. I also think, and I've got a real problem with this, with, with Colin Kaepernick. Um, you know, not that it's, well, you know, you're, 
they're your parents. I mean, you pointed to it. Your parents are your parents. They adopted you. How they're your parents. You know, they love you. They care for you. A parent and how they treat their kids and how they love their kids is unlike any other relationship one will have in life in terms of a love that supersedes self with most parents. And I get that sense from Colin Kaepernick's parents. And I don't ever think Colin Kaepernick has said that you know he they didn't love him that way. So. I do have a real issue with what you said. This is all about monetization. This is about perpetuating what his brand is. And his brand is perpetually pissed off about racism. Perceived or not, reality or not, doesn't matter. And this is another case of that. His parents weren't racist towards right. him. They but said they- that it wasn't, it wasn't a business-like haircut. There are plenty of white haircuts that my parents would have said, don't do that because if you go into a job interview, you're not going to look serious, right? right. Yes. If I wanted to grow my hair into a Kentucky waterfall, my parents would probably say, no, you, you look like a redneck when you do that, and we don't raise rednecks around here. You, you, look, you look lesser than what you should be and strive to be by doing your – I mean, come on. It's not a racist thing. To say that parents well, want stuff for their kids all the time. I, I, bring I up once the, shaved my head, and Chad. my mom made me cry. She said so many mean things about how I looked and what I looked like because I decided to cut my hair too short. I would, I, I would just say, like the, the his adopted parents gave that statement in 2017 when Kaepernick either had cornrows or an afro. Yeah. So th- that's all that needs to be said. This is straight book pub- publicity that's getting headlines everywhere. And that's the only way this guy makes the headlines is by saying things like this. After having a show that featured his adopted parents on there, and it was Colin Kaepernick, black or white, black and white was the name of it, where his adopted, his adopted family's white, his birth parents, his father was black, his mother was white. She put him up for adoption at 19 because she could not afford to keep him and support him the way that she wanted to. And his adopted mother was a nurse. So was mine. I mean, again, like this, this idea that he's not supported. Again, he's playing the victim card and he's making headlines become a, because of it. That's his job now. His job, his, I mean, monetary benefit comes from playing victim instead of playing leader in anything. It's one of the reasons I love the Chris Rock stand-up that was on Netflix on, on Saturday night where he, he said, you're not going to see me go on Oprah and cry about it. I'm no victim about the Will Smith thing. Right. He's like, I'm not going to sit here and claim you know, the, the, the victim in all of this. He's going he's gonna to fight back, and that's what he did with his stand-up back and his stand-up. It, this, this victimization, self-victimization of everyone is just through the roof ridiculous across the country. And let's just go ahead and clear the air with this too. Everybody's parents are more racist than you are. Like it doesn't make them racist, but there's generational stuff here that if you go to our great grandparents, to our grandparents, black, white, whatever, people were racist to each other. Things that were said that were funny to our parents or our grandparents are no longer funny or accepted. And that's a good thing that we have progressed to where racist things are no longer funny or accepted. That is progress. But let's stop being overly judicious about everything with our parents, grandparents, everything else. I'm sure everyone watching right now can cite many instances 
of their parents or grandparents saying something really racist at some point. Does that make them an awful person? No. It makes them a product of their environment. Does that mean they automatically hated everyone of another race? Maybe, but probably not. They probably thought it was funny at some point, and it's no longer funny, and it's good that it's no longer funny. But let's stop with the, my parents perpetuated racism because they didn't want me to have cornrows when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, give me apparently a his break. mom said, corn what? What rolls? I think is the quote. Again, uh, manufactured headlines here. Based on what I've seen most recently, going back to when he took a knee, he's taking a knee on them the way he took a knee on the flag uh, back in 2017. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. You can join us in the chat as well on YouTube. Coming up, oh, and by the way, we're going to give scores today. SEC tournament and more where Alabama, they've advanced, Tennessee's about to play. We'll have scoreboard updates and the latest on Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. That's next in Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Chad, have you ever been the keynote speaker at an event? You and I will be doing a charity event later this month where we are both on stage for the featured deal. I have been the keynote speaker in an event. I, was, I don't remember the company, okay. but uh, Pensacola, Florida. I was a keynote oh, speaker, I, and I, I, I forgot about like that. a forum on, <laughs> I don't, was I asked to speak on leadership? It was something that I was very much ill-equipped to speak on, but I, I did it. I faked my way through it. It was great. Everyone loved it. Aaron Rodgers is also a keynote speaker. Where is he a keynote speaker? He though, is Hutton? at the Psychedelic Science Conference. Psychedelic Studies in Denver this June. I mean, who else is speaking at this conference? Any surviving members of Jefferson Airplane, the band? I mean, who else is around? Uh, who from Fleetwood Mac is still alive? Uh, Rogers will speak with Aubrey Marcus, host of the Vulnerable Truth podcast, with Rogers uh, recently appeared on. Um, yeah, he's going to... Psychedelics. So that will be in June. So this will be during the off-season for either his first offseason in retirement or his first offseason with the New York Jets. 
Because um, I don't think it's with Green Bay. Anytime I hear psychedelics, I think of Seth Rogen in uh, Knocked Up when they, the guy, his buddy Paul Rudd tells his wife they did mushrooms in Vegas. Yeah. And then he says, I just convinced my girlfriend that I don't smoke too much weed. And now you got her convinced I'm into psychedelics? What, what was it that uh, uh, Rodgers does? Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Uh, ayahuasca? Yeah, so he's, yeah. Like, he's speaking on his like, experience with ayahuasca. Of all the things that Aaron Rodgers could be involved in, like his State right. Farm commercials, yeah, and so many different I mean, groups that would reach out to, an Aaron, to, to a, any celebrity of Aaron Rodgers' status. You're going to get hit up for things, requests, come speak at this convention, come speak at this right. banquet, uh, make an appearance here. So his agent, his management have to sift through all these things and decide which ones are worthy of his time. Aaron Rodgers decides, I'm going to speak at the Psychedelics Conference. That tells me that of it's not just things. some gimmick or act. No. Like there, that was the accusation, like he's playing this up. No, like he's, this is him. This is what he wants to do. And let me be completely honest here. There's never been a better sales pitch to take ayahuasca than the way Aaron Rodgers describes it. But I mean, I, I mean, mean, the way he is obsessed with this now, I'm thinking it must be pretty good. That's what I keep thinking with, with Aaron Rodgers. Like he's really putting the hard sales pitch on to take ayahuasca. Maybe he just talks about it and says, you know, some of the downside of it as well. But it seems like he's really a, a, a missionary I mean, but, for this, this substance. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I also looked up the, the symptoms of ayahuasca. And it can last between four and six hours, and this doesn't make me want to take it. Yeah, there's some vomiting. Na- involved, nausea right? and vomiting could occur. Um, diarrhea, euphoria. I mean, that's third on the list. Euphoria is third on the list. Feelings of connection and unity is fourth after nausea and diarrhea. Right? Every commercial we've ever heard. Do you have to get heard. through the nausea and diarrhea to have a feeling of community? Fifth, the fifth symptom: introspection. I love that the first two are Inten- awful. Uh, number six, intense visual and auditory uh, hallucinations. Uh, experience powerful emotions is number seven. You can also do that by just drinking red wine. And anxiety is last on the list of your, the effects See, of now, ayahuasca. Now I just think they're just making you sick. These are also symptoms like you can be overly yeah. emotional when you're really sick yeah. or coming off a of sickness. I, I think they just make you throw up a lot. <laughs> And then you start to hallucinate. You can't sleep as well. And then you, you come, and then you're you like, come oh, to, now, the, now I'm feeling Yeah, four to six hours later, you're lighter and you, you're not sick anymore, so you feel better about your experience. It's also hard your, for me to health. imagine a substance <laughs> that would make you hallucinate and have a sense of belonging and community and all of these things that yes. ayahuasca does to you that would not just rip through your insides. Hence the diarrhea and the vomiting, right? But anything that does all those things, I feel like that's probably not conducive to your digestive system right. by just drinking that substance. It's got to be, the, the euphoria has to be so great that you're willing to put up with that, right? It's like drinking where you have a hangover the next day. You kind of know you will, yeah, but you do it anyway. Hope it was fun. <laughs> Hope it was fun. We you, use the line from uh, Varsity you, Blues to anyone who's hung over. I mean, Hope to me, last night was fun, boys. Hope it, it was fun. It sounds like, uh, I mean, the, the old adage where you, you will trade a bit of tomorrow's happiness for today, and then you have to then you know, go to the bank and pay them back the next day yeah. with the hangover you have. And sometimes you have to you know, actually go to the bank when you're hungover, and that's also Maybe not so. fun. Yeah. When errands have to be run, uh, you know, no hangover stopping that. <laughs> Uh, so the Jets seem to be making some room for Aaron Rodgers, at least on, on the salary cap end of things, and they're going to have to 
maneuver the cap a bit in order to make the trade happen before March 15th if they want to be below the salary cap deadline. Braxton Berrios uh, no longer uh, with the team. Um, he was commanding uh, a high salary anyway. Uh, they're going to release him at the start of the league year next week. That's coming from Adam Schefter. And it was around a $5 million deal for him who, I mean, he's a possession guy slash special teams guy. So he was on the chopping block. And he, was been, he had been rumored to be released with or without Aaron Rodgers. Uh, maybe, maybe the best acquisition, though, Chad, believe it or not, is Nathaniel Hackett. He was one of the four who traveled to California to meet with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. They played along, ping pong together? Along with Woody Johnson, probably. Yeah. Uh, which confirms what the Broncos were trying to do a year ago. I just like Nathaniel Hackett after his just felt, just total miserable failure in Denver. Just shows up in California and has like a portable ping pong table yeah. and unfolds it and has a paddle and ball. And he just says, hey, Aaron, want to have a game? That's the first thing he says. <laughs> and they talk about the Jets over a nice game, a nice Meanwhile, volley. Woody Johnson. Before they get competitive and you can't talk, him. they have a nice volley back and forth, and they play ping pong together, and then they, they discuss it. Hutton, my level of shock if this doesn't happen and Aaron Rodgers isn't traded to the Jets is probably at about 80%. I'm 80% certain right now this will happen. If he, if and he, I feel like now it's the I, point where when the news breaks, it's just going to be a, well, there it is. My response can be, there it is. Yeah. There's what we all thought would happen. I think I, I haven't considered the retirement option as much as what I probably should, though. Yeah, a lot of people believe that's a real possibility. Yeah, so I, I don't. So you think it's he's definitely playing? Again, I am, just, I am I am I am eighty percent confident this Jets thing will happen with all the smoke around it, with I, yeah, the meeting, with everything else. Like I I would be surprised if any other outcome happened, whether it be him staying in Green Bay, traded yeah. somewhere else, retiring. If it's not Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, I'm going to be surprised. So, so here are the four that were there in California. So you got Woody Johnson, who we knew. Joe Douglas, the general manager, makes sense. Head coach Robert Sala, of course, you'd want to bring him along too. But then they also bring Hackett with the connection there from Green Bay. So I, I want to know what that means because it didn't mean that he wanted to go to Denver a year ago. Right? Yeah. Because that's what the... The idea was, in theory, is, oh, the Broncos have hired Nathaniel Hackett. That's where Rodgers is going to want to end up, and he'll make sure he's going to get his $50 million somewhere else. Turns out he stayed in Green Bay, and then an hour later, they had traded for Russell Wilson. No, so, we know the rest of the story. Yeah, I think, look, I think failure helps. It, it doesn't help, but it shapes your perspective of the situation. So Aaron Rodgers, you know, they were really good the year before, and he won the MVP with Green yeah. Bay. So... Deciding that it's not that you don't want Denver, it's just that you want what's behind door number one first. And at the time, what was behind door number one was a run-it-back scenario. I yes. mean, this is a team that yep. could win the Super Bowl. They, you know, they, they lost their first playoff game the year before at home, but they had a bye. I think they were the number one overall seed in the NFC at that point when they lost to San Francisco the year before. So you can realistically say yep. number one seed, MVP, let's run it back in Green Bay and see if we can't win a Super Bowl. But then you have a lot of hard times the next year. So that's what changed things. I bet if this year happened the year before, he would have been more open to Denver. Just like now, he wants to go to New York or somewhere else, I believe. And he doesn't want to go back to Green Bay because he experienced that year of, of fail, not total failure, but of setbacks, of disappointment, of not being a playoff team. And 
I just get the vibe that he's not into like mentoring, quote unquote. Right. No. It's a Which lot is really like odd Brett for a Favre. guy who complained a lot about the it's Brett Favre situation. It's a lot like Brett Favre. Yeah, and you know, I don't know how things have gone behind the scenes over the last two years with Jordan Love. We know how Rodgers reacted to it to begin with when he was drafted. And if you fast forward to now, the Jets are saying they want to keep Zach Wilson around. At least that's what they're saying right now as the backup to Aaron Rodgers. They have investment made in him, so it makes sense. But at the same time... They also know they're not going to get much for him on the trade market, so might as well keep him based on what you thought of him when you drafted him. But I don't think like I don't see that as some great thing that Zach Wilson's going to be backing up Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah, as like the next guy after Rodgers. No, it's not like this. It's not like one year. You know, not from a place, but like a Matt Ryan. I feel like he'd be a good guy to bring in. Like yeah. he will help the young guy get through this rough time and become a better pro, where he's not a very good pro now. Aaron Rodgers, unless Zach Wilson just wanted to watch how he went about his business and took it upon himself yeah. to be mentored by sight only, I don't think, not that Aaron Rodgers can be difficult to him necessarily, but he's never going to go out of his way to help mentor a young quarterback. I'm with you on that. Chad, so uh, we saw the tweet earlier, I believe, from Schefter that was discussing the, the Braxton Berrios news that he was being released from the Jets. And then we saw the timestamps on this. So this is when Schefter tweets out, you know, the Jets have just made a trade. And this was at 10.15 a.m. He had released at 10.08 a.m. local time that at 10.08, Braxton Berrios, they were making some cap space there, saving money there. And minutes later, he says, the Jets just agreed to a trade, dot, dot, dot. That's his tweet. And he follows it up with the, the news that Chuck Clark has, in fact, been traded. Um, Jets agreed to send a 2024 seventh-round draft pick to the Ravens in exchange for safety Chuck Clark. Um, look, I'm all for having a little fun with this. Schefter hasn't had the best 12 to 15-month span on social media No, with some of the things he's put out there. I don't like the troll job from the quote-unquote newsmaker um, because that's exactly what he's doing. I mean, his one tweet where it says the Jets have agreed to a trade was viewed over 11 million times. Um, and it's over Chuck Clark, not Aaron Rodgers. Um, maybe I'm old school. I prefer the journalist be a journalist and the, the guys that talk about it stir the pot a little bit here. Schefter's not that guy. And I don't like the fact that he tweets it out based on the other things that he's either he's swung and missed at or he's been pointed to as part of the problem of, oh, you released this because it's straight from the agent, verbatim, straight from the agent on how you want this worded, right? Yeah, the Dalvin Cook situation Dalvin, was one. It's a great example. He had the awful deal the where the field uh, stuff. Dwayne Haskins died. right. Tragically, and then he said, you know, he, he in the a first tweet about announcing his death, talked about him as a bust in the NFL right. that he took a lot of heat for. He apologized for that one. I think he had to apologize to the Dalvin Cook thing too, or at least explain it. 
Honest and, question, does Adam Schefter write anything anymore, or does he just break news on social media? I don't I think he contributes to stories. Um, and he, I have I mean, seen I, things. I, I don't I know that I've seen say, him write a column or anything anytime I recently. Know. Yeah. I mean, or his, an actual his job story. is to be on one of his six phones and tweet yeah. from one of them. No, I get it. He's a newsbreaker. Like, he's a newsmaker, newsbreaker guy. So that's what he does. Um, he's had a rough time. I got no issue with this. I think it's kind of funny. Uh, look, it's. I mean, it's you funny, know what but you're, at the same you know time, what you're doing. Like, you know that you're going to get a big response from it. And he quickly tweeted that it was a different trade. Um, I, I got, I got no issue with this, and I do take issue with a lot of stuff. Yeah. that he's done recently. I mean, it's not a. But I ask that, like, what a, what a job. I mean, he is, he has to be on at all times, right? He has to be available at all times yeah. to get stories. So it is a hardworking thing. But I mean, pretty cool setup that he's just talking to people, texting with people. Uh, and not really writing, I, I don't feel like. So it's it's, it's right, definitely some, a different yeah, life. Yeah, you're right. But at, at the same time, like everyone's waiting on this one bit of news. Armando Salguero is on Aaron Rodgers' watch for Outkick.com. That's it, right? Like, yeah. He would. He told us that yesterday. He's waiting on news like this unless he gets it. And chances are he's not going to tease you over a Chuck Clark trade. I just think it's it's also ridiculous that. How do you feel for Chuck Clark, by the way? Seventh round pick trade, and you're. Teases Aaron Ross. Your, your bait, your Twitter bait for uh, everybody getting <laughs> just salivating over the possibility of yeah. Aaron Rodgers news. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, it's this Clark guy that no one cares about. Oh, great. I'm that Clark guy. Yeah, that's a tough, tough one. Tough beat. So Chuck Clark traded. Not the trade bait that we would be discussing, but the trades, the rumors are out in Los Angeles where Allen Robinson and Jalen Ramsey are on the trade block from the Rams. This is where... They load up and they go for the championship and they get it. And now it's time to clean up the salary cap mess that they have. Yeah, this is the based hangover. On, based that we're on, talking yes, about. the hangover, yeah. Based on the pr- production that they're getting in return. Um, I'm stunned that Allen Robinson didn't catch on. Yeah, he was bad. I, I, don't, I don't get it. That, that was one of the bigger mysteries to me was Allen Robinson just not being able to produce at all with, with the Rams. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Um, this, it's funny that we transition from ayahuasca side effects yeah. and what happens to you to what the Rams... I mean, the Rams basically went on an ayahuasca retreat with what they did, and they're, you know, screaming the at euf- those picks. The euphoria the of winning euphoria the title. The euphoria of winning the title. It worked. Their strategy paid off. Everything happened, but probably weren't fully acknowledging at the time that, well, there's, you're going to pay the piper eventually. They're paying the piper now. This is, this is the time for them to pay up. Adam Thielen released by the Minnesota Vikings. Um, he had a big cap number, big salary coming up. I think they tried to negotiate something, but it wasn't any close, anywhere close to being uh, somewhere meeting in the middle. He's now going to be a free agent at the start of the, ne- uh, the, the league year. His teams will jump in on March 15th, next Wednesday. Um, let's see, Tua Tagovailoa. The Dolphins picked up his fifth-year option. It's going to be about $24 million. And when you compare that number not next year, but the year after, to the number that we're getting um, from $40 million for Daniel Jones, for instance, or the contract that Lamar Jackson eventually plays for, which is $10 million more, even if it's on the non-exclusive tag, than picking up the fifth-year option for two. It makes a ton of sense for what Miami did here. And Devin McCourty, longtime safety for the New England Patriots, announces his retirement. Chad, he's a three-time All-Pro a uh, three-time Pro Bowler, and I think he was hinting at this. 
whenever he went on Good Morning Football with his brother Jason and yeah. was open and honest about Mac Jones and the leadership and the, the fact that he was backing him behind the scenes saying, hey, like, I want to be coached more too. There were times where he was told, or maybe he wasn't told, but they weren't coaching him as hard. And Mac Jones, going into December in year number two, said, hey, I need to be coached harder than what's going on here. And he's getting on people in behind-the-scenes meetings, uh, in quarterback meetings, offensive team meetings. And Devin was very open about the fact that he's like, I probably run rub people the wrong way too throughout my career. I like the fact that he came in as a rookie and wanted to be a leader. The fact that he was so open and honest, and we know this from experience from Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan, who both played for the New England Patriots, then came and played for the Tennessee Titans, and were way more open and honest to the media than what they were in Boston and, and in Foxborough, because that's the Patriots' way. I think he tipped his cap and tipped his hand to this um, last week whenever we brought this headline up. I wonder if he now joins his brother in media. Maybe so. Uh, that's the first Jason's thing I thought very good was. At it. Yeah, Jason's very good. I think I mean, De- Devin will too. be very good. Uh, they had a podcast for a while. Yeah. I know. I-, I wonder if that's the next step. Bubba Watson about to join us, two-time Masters champion and now member of the Live Tour. He's next on Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Texas Tech has an interesting name they're mentioning for their coaching search. That's coming up on Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Hutton Withrow with you. It's a good tease. I'm ready to hear about that now. Pleased to be joined by two-time Masters champion, live tour participant, Bubba Watson on Outkick. Bubba, good to see you, man. Hope things are well. And two-time Masters champ and now back-to-back champion for your Georgia Bulldogs. Congratulations. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I didn't really do much, but they did really well. <laughs> <laughs> you can take credit for it. It's it's like you played. Yeah. You know, if you're a fan, it's like you were on the team. I donated money. Does that count? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, of course it does. <laughs> they love your money. Okay. All these schools yeah. lo- love love our money. There's no doubt. Is it crazy to exactly. see crazy to see Georgia top all things college football right now, where everyone's picking them yet again to be the favorite to win next year? Yeah, you know, it's funny to me is, you know, it's funny or scary to me is the quarterback position, right? Yeah. Um, we always have a great defense because Kirby's mind is about defense. And then you have running backs. It seems like they always have a new running back that's unbelievable. But um, Stetson Bennett, man, he just stepped up and played unbelievable for the last two years. And um, so that's always the question. When we have the right quarterback in the place, that's when they're pretty good. Talking college football right now with Bubba Watson, uh, live golf pro two-time Masters champ. Has, has the Live Tour been what you thought it would be? It's actually been better than I thought it would be. Um, obviously, you know, I got the behind-the-scenes look because I was a commentator for five weeks while I was healing from my knee surgery. Um, and now playing as a playing participant and as a captain, uh, owner of a team, it's been, uh, it's been a dream come true, uh, being able to interact with friends, trying to pull for my friends, 
I remember in Mexico, I shot five over and my team moved up the leaderboard to fourth place. And so I was like, man, this is awesome. I can play <laughs> terrible and my team can move up. This is great. <laughs> it's uh, now that, you know, major champions like yourself can participate in the majors as well as live tour. Bubba, do you think that may eventually draw some other major champions, high profile golfers in the PGA tour over to live if they know they can also participate in majors? You know, I, right now, I think that everybody's looking at it. Everybody's trying to see where it's going to go. But yes, I mean, having a captaincy open, ownership of a franchise. I mean, what kid, what sports kid does not think of things like that? I know I thought about winning the Masters as eight years old, 10 years old. Thought about, man, if I could ever own the Yankees, the Lakers. I mean, you know, there's so many dreams as a sports person you dream of. And now being a franchise owner of my own golf team. Um, it was something I never thought of, kind of like the the Olympics. Golf wasn't in the Olympics, and now I'm an Olympian. So, you know, the world is evolving, sports are evolving, and now golf is evolving. So, yes, there's going to be guys looking, taking a look. Um, hopefully, uh, the league keeps growing. Bubba Watson with us, and he'll be in Augusta next next month. Uh, but when you join Live, <laughs> you at least had to consider the fact that you may not be invited. Uh, back, right? Like you still made the jump. What was it like trying to to balance out? Okay, I'm a mas- two time Masters champ, two Green Jackets, and I'm going to live. And I know I may not be able to go to Augusta National. Yeah, there's always that risk, right? Anything you do, any job you switch to, um, I, I weighed out the r- risk with my family. I set my kids down and told them they may not be able to caddy in the par three for me. <laughs> Um, but in my heart of hearts, I knew this was the best decision for my family. My wife was going to coach high school basketball, but with a real off season now with live, I was here for every practice and every game. Um, uh, my kids got to go to all the practices and games while, while my wife was coaching. Um, and then when you think about, like I said earlier with a team, I mean, I get to hang out with my buddies and try to, um, teach guys things because they're younger than me and hopefully learn from those guys, but also getting to play the game we love, uh, the game of golf. And so um, it was just one of those things. It was perfect for me to uh, do the things that I want to do in my life and be a franchise owner. How would you not dream of that or or ever want to do that? And so I weighed the risk and I was really praying that the masters would let me keep coming year after year. Yeah, and they will, no doubt. And uh, I remember whenever you said, like, hey, we're, we're not trying to end the PGA Tour, you know, mm-hmm. but you have changed it. Have you heard from guys on the tour about how you've affected change with the pay, the pay scale, uh, the overall purse, or how no they go? No cut tournaments. No cut tournaments, which are coming up. I mean, what are they saying behind the scenes to you? Well, so to be fair here, we've always had um, – there's been no cut tournaments before, uh, before this decision for the PGA Tour. Um, but, you know, the, we know for a fact that we're impacting the PGA Tour. We're impacting the, the DP World Tour. We're impacting a lot of other tours. The Asian Tour has grown because of this, right? Because of Live has put their money uh, backing them as well, helping the Asian Tour, giving us a place to play if, if other tours don't let us play. Um, so there's a lot of positive here. But Truthfully, when I'm hanging out with my friends um, and talking to my friends on the phone, FaceTiming them, whatever I'm doing, we don't ever talk about golf. I mean, that's the last thing we want to talk about. But yes, I know that for a fact it's impacting um, the tour. It's impacting all the way to the bottom, all the way to the top on the PGA Tour. I mean, it lives impacted me and my family 
Um, I finished 40th and got 140,000. It was pretty nice. So you, you mentioned anytime you take a new job, you have to weigh the pros and cons and what could possibly happen and fall out for leaving one job for another and all those things. Uh, if and when your contract is up or you're no longer owning a team on the live tour and the PGA tour was open to it and you could still play, would you consider going back to the PGA tour if that option was available? Yeah, 100%. I mean, if I'm not, if I'm no longer, you know, I've told my teammates, just for the record, you're the first ones to hear this. I told my teammates, if I'm not good enough and you think I'm a bad player, kick me out and we'll get a fourth player that can help your team win on live. And um, luckily for me, I'm an owner till I sell. So, you know, I'll be with live for a while as an owner. But if everything, if everything changed, right? I sold my ownership or whatever I do with it. Um, and the PJ Tour let me play. Yeah, I would love to play at Travelers. I would love to play in LA. Riviera has been good to me. Travelers has been good to me. Um, you know, there's a few places that I've missed playing and would love to play. Uh, this week, it's the Players' Championship. So it's, it was, uh, it's fun seeing those guys hitting the water. And I don't have to sweat on 17 anymore. But, um, but yeah, I would love to have the chance to play there again. Uh, but obviously, right now, you know, we're all um, trying to figure everything out. The Range Goats, the uh, name of the team, by the way. We need some merch for that. Can we get that? Yeah, that's a great team name. We, we've sold out. But, you know, for, <laughs> for just for the record, Goats, Goats is golfers on a team. So uh, we went with Goats with that reason, for golfers on a team. So, And you grew up on the range. Grew, yeah, grew up on the range. My golf course I grew up at didn't have much grass. So it was like a, a goat ranch. <laughs> uh, same. Uh, Bubba Watson has been our guest. Uh, you can check him out on the Live Tour. Check out the Range Goats as well. Uh, always great to catch up with you, man. Thank you for the time. And uh, let's do it again soon, please. Yeah, good luck with everything. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Thanks, guys. Two-time Masters champ Bubba Watson there with the check-in on uh, 360. Uh, great chance to catch up with him. We'll be doing that from time to time with the Live Tour. And, I mean, they've got... Six former Masters champs. It is interesting tour. with the team ownership element of this, right? That he's a team owner and he can sell his franchise and yeah. his team to someone else. Uh, it's just another route to different with the Live Tour, right? Where it's a the team element of it also and possibly owning a team within it. Um, interesting. The gun policies, not for state by state, but team by team across the Southeastern Conference. Trey Wallace covering the SEC tournament a block and a half from where we're sitting right now. That was a big topic of discussion for coaches yesterday. We'll give you some feedback on what coaches said and maybe what they didn't say. Plus, well, there are free agents that haven't played football in a year. One of them's a big-time wide receiver. 13 teams are at his tryout and his workout today. Details next.